This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I'd like to introduce our very first speaker this morning. And uh, she's going to be talking about the role of prayer in healing. And I want to tell you a little bit about her. She's just a woman full of the things of God. Just just delightful. She loves God. Um, she was a teacher once upon a time, so she taught youngins. So she has been through it all, and lately she's been teaching us on the things where prayer and healing are concerned and how to connect and do some things. And she's an awesome teacher of the Word. She just, she has it in her, and it just comes out. And she's seasoned in the Lord, loves the Lord and the things of the Lord. So will you help me welcome Miss Linda Jackson? Glory to God. Thank you, Miss Linda. Well, I was going to ask y'all if you came for your medication, but you just took it, so I don't have to ask that. Good morning to everybody. I see that we all woke up clothed and in our right mind. <clears throat> so this morning, I'm going to start out with John 6, 39, if you want to follow along in your Bible. Thank you. I love God's word. I have found that it is spirit and it is life and healing to all my flesh. Thank you, Father. John 6, 39. Well, it would help if I had my specs, wouldn't it? Excuse me. Now, it says, in this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Now, I've got written in my Bible from a long time ago that that is covenant talk. And he said, my part is to put them on their feet and make them whole at completion of the time. So this is God's job. His will is and always has been healing. And he said that two more times in the same chapter. So he really wants us to be whole and on our feet at the last of time. So now let's go to John 15, and I'm going to tell you one of the ways he can do that. Now, you're going to have to listen fast because I've only got a little bit of time. That's a joke. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. 
He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might be full. Uh, excuse me, my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that ye love one another. I want you please to say, I believe the love. love. All right, now this says that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. We produce produce results by the word. We have to make a demand on God's word. That word ask there that was used several times, it means demand it. Don't just lay back, you have to demand it. We have to have an intimate relationship with Father God. It's like a husband and a wife. We have to know him. In fact, in some places, that word know means intercourse. So we have to have an intimate, close relationship with Father God, just like a husband and a wife. Now, this is an impactful knowing It changes the knower. Now, in the vine, we abide. We are vitally connected. That word abide means to be vitally connected. That means we're kept, we're loved, we're taught, we're corrected, we're nourished, we're strengthened, we're protected, and as a result, we flourish. Remember, we have to live intimately with him, in life union with him. Now, let's go to Romans 6, 1 through 11. I'm not going to read all that. I had to cut out some of my scripture. I'm a a word woman, and I will really 
get in the Word. So I had to cut out some of that. Romans 6, I'm going to do verses 4 and 6. In fact, I may just more or less tell it to you. Say, I believe the love. Thank you, Father. Well, if I find six. All right, four, verse 4, I will read that. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now we were crucified, buried, and we've been raised with Christ. Now we're seated with him in heavenly places. Jesus didn't rise from the grave. Father God didn't just raise him from the grave. He said, I hope that helps you just a little bit. No, he raised uh, Jesus from the dead and he turned around. He gave us the keys to death, hell, the grave. He beat that devil, poked his eyes out, knocked all his teeth out and cut off his feet. He is in a wheelchair as far as we are concerned. All he's got is a meow. Okay? It says he's like a roaring lion, not he is one. God's the, the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So we have to reckon ourselves dead. Now, when he raised Jesus, he raised Linda. You can put your name in there. When he seated Jesus, he seated Linda. So as an act of my faith, I am going to take my seat. And I'm going to read Ephesians 1. I know you can read this by yourself, but this is the way Father told me to do it. So I'm going to obey him. So I'm taking my seat right there with Jesus. Father God's right there. Jesus is here, and I have to turn left to read it or say it or whatever. Because He's at the right hand of the Father. I'm at the right hand of Jesus. You are too if you're born again. You're already seated. You don't have to wait till you go to heaven to be there. You're already seated in heavenly places. So I'm going to start with Ephesians 1.17. And I make this really personal. God and I are on a name tonight. I'm like God and Jesse. Jesus and I are on a first name basis. You know, I'm not going to get to heaven and say, who are you? Because he's going to already know who I am. All right, here we go. Ephesians 1.17. I pray. Now, I make it really personal where he says, you, I put me in there. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to me the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through my in deepening intimacy with him. Now you can put your name here. I'm not. I'm just doing this as a as an example. 
I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of my imagination, flooding me with light until I experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that I will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to me through faith. Then my life will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through me. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Remember, when he raised Jesus, he raised you. When he seated Jesus, he seated you. <clears throat> and now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. And his fullness fills me and it fills you. Even though we were once like corpses, remember we have to reckon ourselves dead, in our sins and offenses, it wasn't that long ago that I lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts <coughs> excuse me, of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> by, whatever, by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God, there's that but God, still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when I was dead and doomed in my many sins, he united me into the very life of Christ and saved me by his wonderful grace. Remember, he's the vine. We're the branches, but now we're united. He raised me up with Christ, the exalted one, and I ascended with him into the heavens. 
<clears throat> into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For I am now co-seated with him. Well, it says with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, I will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon me in Christ Jesus. For it was only through this wonderful grace that I believed in him. Nothing I did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought me to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. I have become his portrait, a recreated person that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For I am now joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before I was born, God planned in advance my destiny and the good works I would do to fulfill it. Now, Brother Hagin said in one of his CDs that our Bibles should be worn out in the epistles and the writings of Paul. You never can be wrong. This, right, this book right here is a covenant book. It's full of what God did for us in the blood covenant and what Jesus did on the cross. So he said that our Bibles should be worn out in the books of Paul. I, I'm hoping all y'all know who Brother Hagin is. I think you do. Now let's go to, I guess I still have some time to read this one. Uh, the third chapter, verse 14. So I kneel humbly. And I'm very demonstrative. I will kneel in front of him if, if, if that's what it says do. In all before the Father of my Lord Jesus the Messiah. Remember to make it personal. Or I do. <clears throat> the perfect father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he would unveil within me the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods my innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using my faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside me and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of my life. Then I will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends my understanding. This extravagant love pours into me until I am filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you or me and accomplish all this. Remember, he's the vine, we're the branches. 
he will achieve infinitely more than I or my greatest request, my most unbelievable dream, and exceed my wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes me. Now, I offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Is that my time's up? <laughs> Sorry. I thought maybe God was telling me, shut up. <laughs> Five minutes. Okay. I want to, uh, very quickly, for us to go to Ephesians 6.10. Now, Joanne got into some of this last night about the full armor of God, but this is certainly one way that we, God gave us to stand against the dumb devil. All right. Spiritual warfare is what my Bible has in it. Verse 10. Now, my beloved ones... I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through our life union with the Lord. Remember, he's the vine, we're the branches. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. And then I make it very personal. I say, I put on God's complete set of armor provided for me so that I will be protected as I fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. My hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities, authorities, operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, I must wear all the armor that God provides so that I'm protected as I confront the slanderer. For I am destined for all things and will rise victorious. I put on truth as a belt to strengthen me to stand in triumph. I put on holiness as the protective armor that covers my heart. Always have to guard your heart. I stand on my feet alert. Then I'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, I take faith as my wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at me from the evil one. I embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect my thoughts from lies. And I take the mighty razor-sharp sword, spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Your voice is your address in the spirit, so you got to be speaking. You have to speak. I pray passionately in the spirit as I constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. I pray the blessings of God upon his believers. 
And I pray also that God's revelation would be released through me every time I preach. Now, this is where I pray for people that I'm partnering up with. I put their name right there. I say, I pray for Joanne Rook, Brother Bob Thomas, Brother Dutch Sheets, whomever I'm partnered with. I, that's where I put their name when I'm praying. Every time they preach the wonderful message of the hope-filled gospel. Yes, I pray that they, the people that I'm partnered up with, may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with bold freedom at every opportunity. And Paul, I didn't tell you this, but Paul was in prison when he wrote these, this uh, book. But anyway, I, I just wanted to share that with you today, and I've got something I want to declare over you before I, I'm, they put me off the stage. <laughs> That's a joke. Joanne's already told me. <clears throat> anyway, it's all good. So I'm declaring this over you right now, so just receive it in the name of Jesus. Don't get up. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Remember, he's the vine, we're the branch. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. I have found this to be true in my life and I've had to stand for some things but he'll never disappoint us. So this morning, if there's anyone here that is not filled with the Spirit, with the um, experience of speaking in tongues, we want to give you an opportunity. So if you would come up right across here, uh, Reverend Velda, Reverend Joe, and Brother Bob will minister to you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love everybody. Thank you, Miss Linda. What she's talking about, abiding in doing all that, doesn't come like she's talking about to the depth that she's talking about without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if there's anybody here today that would like us to minister to them, you're welcome to come on up and we will do that. Anybody? All right. Great. We just want to give you opportunity. And uh, so our next speaker, what can, I, what, what can I say about this man? He's just a delight to be with. He just exudes the things of God. Uh, you talk with him, he loves the Lord, and he, he just, you know, any subject you get up talking about, he'll, he'll begin talking, and the passion just rises out of him. you got to love it. Will you help me welcome Jerry Branch? All right, good morning. I'm going to try to use this mic stand because I want to, I like to use my hand here for, uh, good to see everybody this morning. And uh, I can get this right here. Okay. Yeah, we're, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just jump into the Word this morning and uh, just so thankful to be here. It's such an honor and a privilege to speak. And uh, this morning, I just want to talk about knowing how to hear 
the voice of the Spirit and obey, being led by Holy Spirit. And I want to make a statement. First is uh, you can't do this without doing it. Uh, and in Romans 8.14, it says, For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the word led in the original Greek means to properly lead. Uh, also in the Greek, the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. The third person is the triune God, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. Holy Spirit is a person and has a mind to think. He also has personality and character according to the, the Greek translation. Well, that's very interesting uh, to me. And uh, I've been studying this for a couple of weeks, and it's so interesting how, you know, that uh, so important for all of us just to pay attention to that gentle, soft voice. And in Acts 2, 37 and 38, the Holy Spirit Paul says is a free gift that we can receive after our salvation experience in Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible says that they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so I believe once in that moment that we receive him as our savior, and we make him Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit comes and resides and lives on the, inside, on the inside of us. So as believers, followers in Christ, I believe we're on a journey. It's a journey of totally being led by Holy Spirit. Will we get there? No. Absolutely not, because we're not perfect people. Uh, we have uh, imperfections. Uh, but I believe the ultimate goal is to totally be led by Him. And it's a journey I believe the Lord's taken me on just uh, maybe the past three to four years. He's helping me to be more intentional about it. Uh, so... Holy Spirit is our best friend, I believe. One that we can depend on uh, to lead, guide, and direct us in our everyday lives and also our ministry to others. So, so important that I guess he's teaching me too to listen, to pay attention to that gentle, soft voice of, of Holy Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit's prompting I believe what I say, what I pray, and how I come across. Uh, and just a little personal testimony. I've been involved in intercessory prayer, I guess involved, leading off and on for probably over 25 years. And just over the last few years, um, I had uh, one of my mentors, a brother in the Lord, speak a word over me. And he said, when you go in, he said, listen, watch, and do. 
So I began this journey, and even in prayer, the uh, preparation, as I walked in, I began to say, okay, Holy Spirit, from the moment we walk in, what would you have me to pray? And we are on a schedule in prayer, but we are led by Holy Spirit. Make sense? So he would say, pray this. He would show me the songs to play, the people to pray, the topics uh, that we were doing. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I had no idea where I was going. But I was really being intentional about listening and following his lead. So it's something that he's teaching me just over the last few years. So got a question for you. What is Holy Spirit's job? And I just want to turn to John chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, and uh, get into the Word a little bit. And I want to show you something that I think is pretty cool. Um, In uh, John chapter 15, uh, this is where Jesus is promising another helper. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither receives him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and you in him. And then Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. So we see here something that is very interesting. The world, the people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they don't know him, do they? They don't understand that voice of Holy Spirit, God's voice, Father, Daddy, Abba, Father, that voice that speaks to him. They don't have a clue to it, do they? But it says that you and I, we know that voice. So are we willing, the question is, to pay attention to it and listen? Uh, So in verse 16, the word our helper, very interesting word. In the Greek, it means intercessor. And basically, an intercessor is one who prays on behalf of others. Uh, That's what they are. And we have many intercessors in this house, uh, just a passion to pray, seek the Lord any time, any moment. Um, Also, that word helper is comforter. It's one who comes alongside of us. And Holy Spirit did the same thing that Jesus did in his three to three and a half years on this earth. So, uh, just thought, of, just to think about this for a minute. For example, I believe that Holy Spirit is kind of like our coach. And uh, I played baseball in elementary school, all the way up through junior high school. Played a little tennis, played football in high school. But I had several coaches that came alongside of me that helped me to follow the rules that taught me how to play, uh, that taught me about the unity, the team, 
they instructed me and they helped me to be the very best baseball player, the best football player that I could possibly be. And I believe Holy Spirit is such that he's like our coach. Um, the next thing is in uh, verse, verse 26, he talks about our teacher. Uh, it says, Holy Spirit teaches us, he teaches us all things that brings to our remembrance uh, that Jesus said. And um, I've got an interesting story right there. Holy Spirit, I believe, helps us to remember. Uh, every day after work, I go out and I walk through a long crosswalk uh, outside the parkway. I go through a guard shack, and they wand me, and they do all this stuff. And then I go out into a parking lot, and I have no idea every day where I park my truck. So, so I saw, I started. You know, I'm like, okay, well, okay, Holy Spirit, you help me remember things, right? So I just simply ask Holy the Holy Spirit to ask me where I park my truck. So immediately, it comes to my mind exactly where I parked it, the row, the space out of all these hundreds of vehicles. So every day I'm walking out, Holy Spirit, and, and he tells me and shows me exactly where I did. Even at home, I know my wife will tell you I misplaced my phone quite a bit. So normally, uh, everybody's calling my phone, and... Uh, so finally, I realized, okay, um, Holy Spirit, where's it at? And so many, many times he'll take me straight to it, know exactly where it is. So as he did with Jesus, I believe he helps us to remember. Simple story. So my next question is this, is how do we hear the voice of the Spirit? And I believe we hear four voices. Uh, I believe that, number one, we hear God's voice. Uh, and in the Old Testament, uh, we hear God's voice through his word. Through his word. And people in the Old Testament, before the new covenant, when Jesus came, uh, many great men and women of God heard God's audible voice. And we see it in the story of Adam and Eve. Even it says in the cool of the day and God spoke, I believe they had free flow of communication with them until they sinned. And after that, there was probably a little bit of friction. Um, so I won't get into that. That's another story. But also we see in the life of Noah. And I did a study kind of of how, and how many people... Uh, how many years did it take Noah to build the ark? Did anybody know? About a hundred, maybe. About a hundred years. Some, some of them say fifty to eighty. Some say a hundred, but I believe at the age of five hundred, the Bible says that he was having kids uh, in through there. Then about the age six hundred, I believe, but. Noah had to pay attention. He had to listen to careful instruction. Uh, the detail 
with God's audible voice because a flood was coming. So specific details that God gave him as he was preparing, getting ready for the flood that would destroy the whole earth. Uh, another example we see here is the life of Moses. And Moses, we know, led, God called him to lead the people out of bondage, out of Egypt. And I love the story where Moses is on Mount Sinai. And he goes up to Mount Sinai. God calls him up there. And he speaks to Moses through the burning bush, an audible voice. God communicates. Moses questions God. God communicates. And finally, he says, tell them, I am sent you. And uh, so there was communication all between him uh, and the Lord. Uh, more men of God that we see are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And But I tell you, that's uh, one story that I love. It's about the story of Samuel and Eli. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 through 10, we see here that uh, the priest Eli is about to sleep. He's old in age. And uh, he's uh, basically Samuel uh, is his son, son of the Lord. So Samuel lies down. It says he's ministering to the Lord. And the Lord comes to him and he says, Samuel. So Samuel gets up and he runs to Eli and he says, um, he says, yes, did you call me? Eli says, no, go lay back down. Second time, uh, the Lord says, Samuel. And then uh, Eli tells him to go lay back down again. He says, Samuel, for the third time. And finally, um, it says in the Word that Samuel hasn't really yet learned and recognize that voice of God. So for the third time, Eli goes back and he says, go. He says, the Lord is speaking to you. Go and say here, uh, uh, yes, Lord, my servant is here to listen. So God speaks audibly to Samuel and then Samuel begins his ministry in 1 Samuel chapter three. Find very interesting. So if God spoke to the people in the Old Covenant, I believe He still speaks to us today. And as sons and daughters of God, we can hear His voice. God can speak completely, directly to us, or I believe He can speak to us in a dream, a vision, or even He can use another person, you or me, to speak and give each other a word. But one of the main ways that I believe he speaks is through his indwelling Holy Spirit. Second voice I believe we hear is Satan's voice. And I love this story. I've read this story so many times in Matthew 4, uh, verses 1 through 11. Now, Satan is the tempter. He brings negative thoughts, I believe, against us uh, constantly in our ear of negative stuff, and uh, Jesus, I'll just paraphrase this, in Matthew chapter 4, it says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
That's interesting, isn't it? And it says that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and then it says he was hungry. So the tempter came to him on three different occasions. It says, if you're the son of God, then cast these stones, make them bread. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Satan came to him. Jesus, what, immediately recognized his voice. And when the authority that Jesus had, he spoke and declared, it is written. And then he, he declared the word of God, didn't he? So on the second occasion, and uh, I'll go ahead and turn there in Matthew 4. On the second occasion, it says, Then the devil took him up on the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So we see here that what? Satan even knows the Scripture, doesn't he? The devil knows the Scripture. Jesus said again, what did he say? It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So for the third time, the Satan comes. Satan comes again, and he says, all these things I give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus says to him, for the third time, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him you shall serve. And then it says the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So we see in this, it's very interesting that Jesus had already, every time that Satan came against him, he immediately listened and he heard the devil's voice right off. He immediately recognized it, didn't he? And so there's one instance also, I believe the third voice that we can hear is the voice of our flesh. That is us. And like um, Joe talked wonderfully about last night, that's our what? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's our flesh. Uh, so in Galatians, we find that in Galatians 5, um, 16 through 21. And I'm going to go ahead and read that real quick. And Paul is talking about a battle here between our flesh and our spirit. And he says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not know, do the things, okay, that you wish, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So if we are led by the Spirit of God, and we are not under the law, it means what? There's grace. There's forgiveness. There's 
uh, God's power, His mercy uh, that's freely given to all of us uh, as we are led by His Spirit. We're not under bondage anymore, are we? So it says in verse 19, the works of the flesh, they're evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, and the list goes on and on and on. And it says at the end that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we hear these voices and it makes me think of the Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, this is way back where he's got the devil on one of his shoulders and he's got the angel on the other shoulder and one of them is crying out, don't do good, don't do right, do evil. And the other one is good, talking to him, telling him to do good, to do the right thing. So uh, it's interesting, the many voices. The fourth one is, I believe we hear uh, the voice of the world. And uh, as, uh, as my Pastor Rob, uh, Pastor Rob stated, even during the COVID season, he constantly told us to silence the voices. So many voices that we've heard, and especially over the last two years with COVID season, uh, our government, the things that uh, I would say sometimes, wouldn't you, we hear the voice of social media. Uh, we could hear sometimes the, social, the, the voice of Facebook. People speaking negative stuff against us. Uh, we could hear the voice of maybe, could it be TV? The stuff that we're watching, the stuff that we are allowing, uh, maybe the voice of that. Or maybe it could just be people all around us. Could be relatives sometimes. Sometimes people that we're close to, and I don't know about you, I've had relatives that I've been close to, and I have to love them from a distance and silence those voices. So uh, this can become negative, I believe, if we allow it, the voice of the world. So I believe we hear these voices and with God's help, we can not only learn, but we can recognize and discern where they came from. And as a believer in Christ, the most important voice that I believe that we can hear, listen to, and obey uh, is God's voice through His Word and the inner guidance of Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? And what does that look like? How does that pertain to healing? Well, I drive an 18-wheeler truck. I drive a big truck for a living. And the Lord has just had me with so many opportunities just to reach out, to minister to people. Uh, was driving in the building one day, and uh, seems like I come in contact with a lot of guards. Lord has me minister to guards, and uh, with my, when my truck is broke down, uh, he has me minister to tow drivers all the time. 
been able to share the gospel to tow drivers and guards. I don't know what that is. So, uh, so I come in and this young man, he's talking to me, says he's gonna try out for football. And he keeps saying that his feet's hurting constantly. And, uh, and so, you know, that gentle, soft voice says, reach out, pray. Ask him if you can pray for him. Said, young man, do you mind if I just pray for those feet? Said, sure. So I just, uh, sitting in my truck, just put my hand forward, prayed, and uh, asked God to touch those feet. Just spoke healing, thanking for it. Next day I went back. Said, how's those feet doing? He smiled. They're good. No pain at all. So God touched him and, uh, and healed him of the pain he had. Also, uh, I was able to, I was driving back from Mississippi one day and was able to, I was trying to warm up my food and met a guard in a little uh, guard shack at a rest area. And uh, he just began to open up to me, talked about his family, his wife, all the adversity, uh, got to share the gospel to him, found out he's a believer. And he kept telling me that he had had back problems for several years, over and over. So I said, well, do you just mind if I lay my hand on your shoulder, pray for him? And I'm, I'm constantly listening to that voice of Holy Spirit. So pray and uh, said, how's that back, back then? He, he smiled. He said, the, the pain's completely gone. So just praise the Lord for that. God touched him, healed him, was talking to a driver on the road. And uh, how many of you know there's no distance in prayer? So we was talking to a brother named Mike Holland, good brother in the Lord, just running down the road with my headset, you know, be bopping, talking on the phone. And, uh, and he said that he had pain in his body. Uh, so I was just, I said, well, brother, you mind if I just pray? And I felt, you know, that voice of Holy Spirit saying, pray, ask him. So we got to pray with him over the phone, and, uh, and God just touched the pain in his back, his lower back also completely healed it over the phone. So another opportunity, and uh, my sister's in the hospital probably 25 years ago in a bad car wreck, and, uh, and I believe the Lord, you know, through the Holy Spirit, told, prompted me to just to call her and began reading Psalms 107. I said, okay, Lord, I've never done this before. So I call her on the phone, and I start reading Psalms 107. And I get to verse 20. It says, he sent his word and what? Heal them and delivered them from all of their destructions. And as, as I did that, uh, in that hospital room, God just touched her touched the broken bones, the bruises, and she began to be made whole. So there's no, there's no distance in prayer. And I just praise and thank God for all those opportunities if we'll listen and we'll pay attention. So another thing too is how we truly listen to the voice of the Spirit and obey. And I believe there's three things that uh, 
And uh, I believe these are reminders that most of us probably know. The first is worship. I make it a point every morning just to get in that secret place, that time of intimacy that uh, Miss Linda was talking about earlier with the Lord, that we can spend time with Him, we can worship. However we choose with worship tapes, with recordings, with YouTube, with whatever it is, uh, that is one way. Thank you, Kim, five minutes. Another way is, is the Word. We get the Word inside of us, and uh, we eat it, we sleep it, we memorize it, we study it. The Bible says to, to study, to show yourselves approved for every good work. So that's another way to pray, to hear His voice. So hearing the Holy Spirit is a process, and we're in a process, all of us, of, of going through that. So uh, I believe it's a lifestyle. And as I get up in the mornings, I'm so thankful that God wakes me up for another day to serve Him, to live for Him, to be led by His Holy Spirit throughout the morning and throughout my day. Uh, even if it's at a rest area, a uh, pilot station, uh, Walmart, Kroger, even at work. If we are listening to that gentle, soft voice, the voice of Holy Spirit prompting us to pray for someone, to bless someone, pray for healing, or even share the gospel, I believe that God has called you and me and all of us as believers in Christ not only to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice, but act to do to be obedient and do what he tells us to do. And as we do this, I believe many lives will be touched and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through and in us for the glory of God. And that's all I've got. Thank you. For glory. So, you take your seat right? It's an active thing we do. We take our seat, take our position, correct? So it's not an automatic thing. God gave us the privilege to do it, but we take our seat. And then we have to be available to hear, correct? We have to be actively listening. It's a wonderful thing. God gave us two ears and one mouth, and that's something. What normally happens, especially when I get excited, the mouth takes over and the ears like, you know, you have to remember they're there. Well, for those of you that don't know, I'm Reverend Joe Rook, and I'm just so honored that you would come and be part of that and just to be part of this and to absorb the Word of God. And I believe for each and every one of you that you will not leave the same way you came. And I'm believing that healing is going to manifest in your body even as we talk. So um, how many, uh, if I were to say, can God do anything? How many would say yes? All right, glory to God. Guess what? You're wrong. You are so wrong. Why are you wrong? You believe something.
Tell me, why are you wrong? Why, 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 are, why are some people wrong? All right. But think about this. He can't lie. He cannot go against his word. And he will not override your will. He gives you free choice, right? So there's a lot of things God cannot do because he's sovereign according to his will. If he said it in the word, that's his will, he'll do it. But we have things in us that we believe is the truth, and they are lies. So I want to challenge you to just go back and compare everything you know to the word of God. Does it line up with the word of God? And if it doesn't, just repent. Be quick to say, oh, Lord, I got that one wrong. I was sideways. Help me. Help me. Show me. I have ears to hear what you say, and I have a desire to know truth. Because I'm telling you, it's the truth that you know that will set you free. It's not what's up here. Because you can know a whole lot of things, and what you know and what you walk out do not always mirror one another. Oh, praise the Lord, I'm healed. And yet everything talked and done and acted on counters what that little thing is. But the word says that the word is a divider. And it understands, it knows. So you can be all, you know, Christian ease on the outside, but inside, truth is talking. Truth is talking to each one of us. So how many, just, just a little uh, nugget, how many years did Paul spend in Arabia? How many? Three? Now you're not trusting me anymore, are you? It's a good thing. Let's go to Galatians 1. Let's see what it really says, shall we? 117, it says, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went up into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up. So how many years did he spend in Arabia? We don't know. But what's the common teaching? He spent three years in Arabia, right? Challenge, challenge. Always challenge based on the word of God. Don't take what anybody says just as gospel. Now, hopefully you trust those in the pulpit because they're doing the very best they can with what they know and they're teaching. But you know, all of us are learning and growing and doing. And if you go back and you look at any one of our teachings from years ago, you're going to find that there is some changes because we are learning and growing. But we have a heart that desires to serve God and to do the best we can. And so that's why we walk in forgiveness. I talked about that last night. So let's have, um, let's just have a little humor this morning. Can we see what we looked like last night here or what I looked like last night? Maybe. Here comes the picture. We'll give her a second. So for those of you who were unable to be here last night, this is my earth suit. And look it, we've got the gospel of peace on the shoes because what does it say? Be, your feet shod with the preparation of peace, right? He says, put on the whole armor of God. And if I would turn around, you would see truth on the belt. I have a breastplate of righteousness with my salvation date written right under that in my name. God knows my name. 
It's like we heard this morning, he knows your name. Do you know him? Are you abiding in the vine? This is where the power comes from. So I uh, have the helmet of salvation on. You know, and you can't see it in that picture, but it's the hands of Jesus. Everything we do should be, you know, you may not like this particular shell, but all it is is an earth suit. But the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So we are all connected. Our shells are just a little different. We have the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is praying always in all prayer and supplication. So anybody here a bottom line type of person? I like to get to the bottom line and then I can work back. So if you'll indulge me for a second, I want to show you something. We're going to use this earth suit again. If we can get it out of the bag. Shauna had to help me last night because I was challenged. So... Here's my earth suit. We're going to pretend I'm wearing it because I'm not putting it on. And so here, here, earth suit, for anybody who doesn't know. It's carnal. It's sensual. This is not the soul. This is the earth suit, all right? The earth suit allows you to be here on earth and to do the things that Jesus has called you to do. Everybody get that? If you will understand the distinction of what we're talking about between the spirit, the soul, and the body, you're going to be free from some of the stuff that's in your body today. Are you ready? All right. So the earth suit, without the earth suit, I cannot be here in this atmosphere. This is how God designed it. When we're born again, you know, I've heard somebody preach, well, you know, something or another, and we could just go on to heaven. But guess what? We have assignments. You're not here for nothing. You have an assignment. And, you know, I look back at some things and I think, okay, what is my assignment? Where did I miss it? Where I'm going, you know? And people say, well, I'm such and such an age, you know, it's for the young people. No, if you're drawing breath, you have an assignment. So in order to fulfill our assignment, we have to be willing, obedient. We have to hear. We have to be hooked up like Miss Linda taught us today. And it's more than just, oh, God, whatever your will is, because his will that all, all accept him, that none, there will be none that perish. But let me ask you, will some perish? Why? Because they choose to. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You choose in this lifetime whether you're going to spend eternity in heaven or not in heaven because heaven is a, uh, uh, we will spend eternity with Jesus, let's say it this way. So this earth suit, we all wear one, we all look different, but when we decide to leave or the enemy pushes us out, all right, those are your choices. Enemy pushes you out, oh God called me home, oh God needed a little angel, you know, he said, you live, you live until you're satisfied. And when you're done, you continue to live. What doesn't live is the shell. So if anybody's ever afraid of dying, I want you to remember this. You live. Now, hint is, hopefully you live forever with Jesus. Make your choice on this side of life, because if you don't, it's going to be a little hot where you're going. So choose, choose, choose in this lifetime. Now, there's another level to that. You choose to operate in the things of God, or you choose to go life doing nothing, or you choose to oppose the things of God. 
those are all choices we make. We renew every day. So the outward man perishes. We all get a little older. You know, I don't know, sometimes I think we should have had more wisdom. I mean, we should have had more vitality and all of this and all of that uh, stuff going on like we did when we were 20 and 30 and 40. But I'm, I'm, I learned that wisdom is a wonderful thing. If any, many, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all liberally and doesn't even scold you. That's a wonderful thing. Lord, I need wisdom. And then he says, believe that you receive it. What good is it to do to pray for wisdom and then walk away and say, well, um, I prayed for wisdom and I hope I receive it. When you, when you take something, Miss Gladys, ask me for some water, please. Ask me for some water, please. Yes. Ticada, she said. When you take something, are you any more asking for it? There's a completion. God gave. He sent his word and healed. When you receive it, you've taken hold of it. Then why would she again ask me for more water? What's the proper response after somebody gives you something? Thank you. But I don't see it yet. Well, listen, your body's kind of dead. The real you is living. So why are you trying to see with those eyes? Why don't you receive it in the spirit and you will see it. Those, the body has to do what you tell it to do. If I walk, my body walks. It's a funny thing. It doesn't stay back there and me keep going, does it? So who has authority, it or me? I do. I do. So what's the issue? What's the big issue with everything? It's this. You have a dirty filter. You have a dirty filter. What does that mean? Well, the soulish realm is the mind, the will, and emotions. With your mind, your will, and your emotions, you decide to open up the word of God. With your mind, your will, and your emotions, you decide to believe. You choose. You choose whose report you will believe. Do you believe the report of the Lord? Or do you believe the report of the body? Now, what happens when a filter looks like this? How much air gets through? Very little, right? You might hear an occasional something. So what does that mean in the spirit realm? In the spirit realm, it means that God is talking to you right now today. What are you hearing? Are you hearing this way? Or are you hearing through the right way? clean filter. You hear the things of God and you're quick to obey and do. That doesn't mean you get out ahead of God because God will tell you some things and there's timing that's involved with those things. You don't say everything you know. A fool utters all his mind but a wise man holds it till afterward, right? Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. I don't know about you but I've had to learn that many times. <laughs> Thank God for praying for wisdom. So with the suit. If you can look at it separate, even though you're one, and you can draw back into the things of the Spirit, and think about what God says. Um, Galatians, what is it? Um, let me think about where I'm going here real quick. 
Well, let me do this before I do that. Do you remember in the scripture where the rich man and Lazarus, that they died? Now, it says the rich man died and was buried, right? But Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham, didn't he? And so they're talking. So my question number one is, did Abraham live when those two lived? Let me help you. No. So, how did they recognize Father Abraham in the bosom of Abraham? How did they recognize him? And then the rich man says, do you remember the story? you remember the account? He said they, the, the rich man was died and buried and Lazarus was up in the bosom. The rich man was burning in hell. And he said, Father Abraham, send the beggar, Lazarus, to come, just put a drop of water on my tongue. Think about that for a second. So, the, where's the body? <laughs> the one was in the ground, right? Doesn't say that of the other one. So I find it interesting, but it says the one, the one, one was buried, dead and buried. But they're all talking. And he says there's a big chasm between us. So even if I wanted to, I couldn't touch, couldn't send him to touch your tongue with any water. Because he said, I'm in so much torment. And I'll give you a picture of hell. It's nothing but torment. And so um, I could tell you a joke about now. You want one, Pastor Bob? <laughs> Let me tell my example, and then I'll come back. So um, what does that tell you about that? It tells me this, is that the body stays behind. What happens with the soul? Yeah. It goes with you. Your soul, your mind, your will. How did he know them? How did he know the beggar? How did he know? Look at, look at the, the, the thinking of it. He was still the thought that he was a rich man in hell, burning in hell, and he had rights that the beggar didn't have. That's what he thought. He thought he still had status, that his wealth provided him some status. Did he have any? No way, none. But he knew all that. Go send him to give me a little water. I think it's interesting. He didn't ask Father Abraham, Father Abraham, will you have mercy on me and just give me some water? No. He said, go get that one that I think is in lower stature than me and get him to get me some water. That tells you your mind, your will, and emotions are going with you. Isn't that a wonderful, I don't know about you, that makes me excited. I'm glad I get a new one of these. I'm glad we'll recognize one another from everything I read and hear that we're going to be uh, just in the sweet spot of looking years. Good. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm going to be thin. That's because I want. I'm going to look good. I like it for eternity. I'm going to have that covering. I'm going to be covered with the glory of God. Are you? That's what they covered Adam and Eve before they sinned with the glory of God. So I get this new thing. You get this new thing. So it tells me that it's important that we know that we are a spirit, that our spirit man is hooked up with God, and that's how we hear. We've heard this morning, if you're not connected with 
The Holy Spirit, if you're not connected with Holy Spirit and you hear his voice, then your connection is frayed or loose. You ever been on a radio station and you're not quite, you're not quite tuned in, you got a lot of static? Some days it's like that. The devil has a job. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If he can get you to tune in part way, to tune, there's a lot of stuff that you miss here when you're tuned in a little bit. Or when you're tuned in when they're static. You miss here and you assume without going back to the source, which is the word of God, to get. You know, God will never tell you something that is in opposition to his word. Ever, ever, ever. So, um, so uh, this, um, these two guys die about the same day. And uh, they go to the gates. And they meet St. Peter over at the gates. Uh, and... St. Peter says, well, he said, the one guy says, I'm glad I made it. I'm glad I made it. The other guy said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, no, 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 no. He said, you got a choice here. You got a choice here. He said, um, I'm going to show you heaven and hell. He said, I don't need to know heaven and hell. He said, I don't want to see a picture. I just want to go to heaven. He said, no, it doesn't work like that. He said, I got to show you. So he opens the view to heaven, and he sees all these lovely things going on, and it's pretty, and, and he just thought, oh, good, so he spends the day there, and oh, it's so lovely, and he gets to do this, and he gets to do that, and he gets to do that, and then he said, okay, now you got to spend a day in hell, and so they go down the elevator, and the doors open, and this luscious golf course is out there, and this guy's a real avid golfer. And he's just like, oh, wow. And he spends the day down there, and he's having such a good time. And he's, you know, he gets to do this, and he gets to do this, and he's around there. And, and he comes back, and St. Peter says, okay, well, he says, now time for choice. And he just went, you know, I never thought I'd say this. He said, but I really have to choose hell, you know. And he said, are you sure? Are you positive? He says, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, that's where I want to be. So he said, okay, fine. And um, he'd go down, down, and the doors open, and there's this wasteland. Nothing there. And he looks and he says, I don't get it. I don't understand. Yesterday there was this vast green and golf course and everything. He said, yesterday we were campaigning. What does that tell you? It tells you that truth is there for you to see and deception's there for you to choose. But you all didn't laugh very well anyway. So I don't want to go in Pastor Bob's. I'm Pastor Bob's area. I'm going to stay this way. <laughs> glory to God. Glory to God and glory to God. Okay. So, um, you know, let me, let me kind of wrap it up this way. There's really three types of dead. There's a legally dead, which there's no brain function. There's a medically dead, which is flat line, no pulse. The body ceases, and you have left the earth suit, all right? And there's a spiritually dead. And the spiritually dead is you separated from God because you choose something else. And God would not have you ignorant. That's a wonderful statement. His desire that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. 
You know, God's a good God. Whatever perspective you're coming from, you know, some have come from homes that they don't know a good father. So if you don't know a good father, how do you know a wonderful God? Yet God makes that possible. You know, there's none of us, I don't care who we are, there's none of us that are perfect. And, you know, those that came up in our household can look and say, you've done this or you haven't done this or you weren't this to me or you weren't that to me. And, you know, it's probably true in some cases. We weren't everything we could be. We weren't perfect. We never will be perfect. But, you know, that forgiveness that God offers to us is free. And I keep coming back to that um, I keep hearing about forgiveness because it's such a key in your life. You know, if you have ought against somebody and you're offended, you are not going to hear anything. If you're here today and you're offended with somebody or you think you know the right way to do something and we are not correctable, how do we ever get to the place that we're supposed to be if we don't receive now, I think we have to be selective about who we're listening to. You don't listen to everybody and anybody, but we have valued sources. Even amongst this group, there I see a whole bunch of people that are seasoned in the Word and love God and know God that will help one another get to where they're supposed to be. So if you understand that the spirit man is perfect, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And he said that we have the earnest earnest of the Holy Spirit, meaning that's our promise, so our spirit is sealed. So that's our innermost being. That's who we are. That's who looks like God. We're made in God's image, and he said that he created us a speaking spirit. What does that mean, a speaking spirit, and how does that relate to healing? Well, if he created us a speaking spirit, spirit, and he did, then we are to be like God is, right? So God spoke, and he created, didn't he? He didn't make everything out of nothing. He made it with faith, because he spoke what he believed. You know, if he would say, well, uh, today is purple, it would change to purple, because everything that he says is truth, Right? So we are to stand up and mirror what he does. We are to speak what he does. Even though our earth suit says, no, that's not right. Can't be. You're supposed to get old. You're supposed to get weary. You're supposed to get tired. You're not supposed to be able to keep up. You're supposed to get sick and then you die. But yet that's not what the word of God says. And so, you know, we heard last night there was a couple in their 90s that took their honeymoon at the healing center. And... They got married. Uh, I don't think it was their first marriage, but they, they got. But if they did, hey, at ninety, and they said oh, we're going to go have a honeymoon at the, um, and we're going to go to the healing center, and they did. They left healed, healed, over ninety years old, healed. What's our problem? We shouldn't. You know, are you tolerating anything in your body at all? Do you have anything in your body you're even, you know, well, I got this little ache or I got this little pain, but you know, it's not a big deal. I can motivate with it. So let me just, let me do the Joe translation. I'm going to go over here. Let me do the Joe translation. That means, Jesus, I know you paid for it. It cost you your blood. It cost you your life. But it's okay. I can help you a little bit, and, and I can just deal with it. 
we say to him what his sacrifice is, it wasn't everything you said it was. It didn't do what you said it did. I don't believe you. So every time we agree with sickness and disease. Now listen, for those of you that are prone to go to the condemnation side, there's no condemnation here, none whatsoever. What I'm trying to do is awaken you to a truth that has not yet pierced inside of you to say, this thing has invaded my body, but I'll tell you what, right now, this is it. He sent his word, he healed me, and he delivered me from every bit of destruction, all of it. That means I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. That means I am going to rise up, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to speak like Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, speak to the mountain, demand it be removed and cast in the sea. Well, how does that look in the natural? So, your spirit man is hooking up with God. That's where we are, right? So, you are not demanding anything of God. It's a real important point, because I didn't understand that years ago. It's like, well, how can you be commanding God? God says, command ye me. How can you be commanding God? Well, you're not. Who's trespassing, God or the enemy? The enemy. Whose temple are we? God. God's temple lives inside of us. How much do we reverence the temple? Or do we reverence the earth suit? Who rules, the earth suit or the temple? The soul decides. Your soul decides to hook up with the real you, the spirit man, and hear the things of God and be led by the spirit, or your soul decides that the body's right. This hurts, so I'm going to do everything to accommodate that. You know, in Deuteronomy, it tells all the, all the things of the curse. One of it is its knee pain is under the curse. And do you know that diseases of long continuance are under the curse? That means Alzheimer's, dementia, Lewy body, Parkinson's, all that mess, they're all under the curse. And Galatians 3.13 says what? I have been redeemed from the curse of whatever that is. And I believe we are going to see Alzheimer, Lewy body, dementia, Parkinson's, and cancer scream in terror as it flees and sets the captives free. Meaning that people will come in having those diseases, lugging those suitcases, and they're going to flee. I believe that is at our doorstep right now. So back to Deuteronomy 28, knee pains under the curse. How does that look like? What do we do? So we take the hands and feet of Jesus, our hands, and we apply whatever part of the earth suit is having a problem. And you put your hands on it, you start talking to it. I'll tell you what, I've been redeemed from the curse of knee pain because it says so right here. It's written in the word of God. It is written. That's what Jesus said, right? It is written. It is written. And then flip over to Galatians 3.13. It says, I've been redeemed because Jesus paid the price for me. Well, it still hurts. Well, listen, I don't know about you, but I ate more than once yesterday. Did you? You don't mind, you don't mind feeding your earth suit. What about your body? Are you feeding? Do you have the energy? Are you feeding your spirit with the word of God so that the power can come out? It says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If it dwells in you, it will quicken. It will make alive the dead thing. It's going to make alive the dead thing. Do you love it? That means that thing has to do what you do. Or that thing doesn't have to do what you do. It's up to you. You, you choose if you let it rule or you let the spirit man rule. Everybody on board with that? 
Well, glory to God. I'm going to have uh, Pastor Bob just bless our lunch, if you don't mind, and I'm going to give you some instructions on how we're going to do what we're going to do when he gets done. Would that be okay? I guess it is. They didn't say anything. Yeah, I, I guess so. Anybody hungry? Wow, let's say the hungry bunch. Okay. I guess we'll just continue feeding on the word. Never skipping lunch. No. <laughs> let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word this morning. God, it's so good to be filled with your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit revealing and, and teaching us, Lord. Thank you for every every speaker. Lord, uh, this morning, we just give you thanks for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, we receive this food as, as blessed to our bodies. We receive it with thanksgiving. We declare that sanctified and, and good for our bodies, fuel for our bodies. And Lord, we ask you to bless the time of fellowship also. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. So I want you guys to go first. All right. Um, we're going to have lunch with Velda, but so we're going to let her just go first and get her food and so she has a little time to eat before I put her to work. Is that okay? And then what we're going to do, if you don't mind, we'll just start from this end. Um, we're going to go down the hallway and to the left and go ahead and get your... Uh, get your goodies and come back to the table and feel free to fellowship. And about halfway through our lunchtime, what we're going to do is we're going to have some Q&A. So Velda's going to come up and she'll answer your questions. You can continue to eat lunch and have a good time. And we're going to, uh, we will start back up about 110. Uh, about 105, we're going to do another door prize. So be there or be square. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, so you ready for some Q&A? Go ahead and uh, keep eating, and um, Velda's going to share some stuff with us. And before she does, can I make a mention of something? We have a birthday in our midst today, and he has graciously agreed to take pictures for us. I don't know if anybody has a camera. You can just pop a picture, but we're going to wish him a very happy birthday, and thank you so much for all you're doing. We appreciate it. Okay, here's Miss Velda, huh? I'm, I'm sorry, John Cobb. I know who he is, don't you all? <laughs> John, happy birthday, John. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. Well, <laughs> glory to God. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. See, I can tell who was here last night and learned something already, right? Amen. I don't have any idea how much time I have, um, but I do know I did not slip my observant skills that they gave me the after lunch crowd to try to keep you awake and alert for the speakers who come behind me. So I will do my best to do my duty to God and country and to y'all to keep you up awake and going. Um, Pastor Bob, I love your uh, humor and your joke-telling abilities. I see you take directly after my husband. And um, 
I would tell a joke that he loves, and it makes him laugh so much, but I don't know if it's appropriate or not, because it goes like this. What goes clippity-clop, clippity-clop, bang, bang? An Amish drive-by shooting. Isn't that bad? That is Gene. I mean, we've been telling that joke to Gene for 20 years, and he still laughs. The other joke is I'm here today to try to keep you awake, and that they told me this was going to be a question and answer series. And I said, well, that's fine, but I have rules for question and answer series. I learned from the best. I learned from Dr. Kennedy. We went to Colorado one time to do a meeting, and Pastor had one of her brilliant moments. She said, Belda. Let's do something different today. I said, okay, what's that? She said, let's do question and answers. I said, okay. So she let one woman answer, ask a question. Two and a half hours later, pastor was still trying to answer it. And so I learned my lesson. So I have now put in place rules for questions and answers. A, that's it. <laughs> there are none because you see you are only allowed to ask questions I know the answers to and since you don't know if I know the answer or not that means you don't get to ask them correct so uh-huh yeah I'm trying to keep y'all awake here and is it just me or am I very loud because I feel like I'm screaming. Do y'all feel like I'm screaming at you? Or are you okay? All righty. So anyway, but when it comes to the healing ministry, I have learned that there are many questions. And having been in that ministry for well over 25 years before we ever opened the healing center, I was already a part of the healing team ministry. And um, I doubt that there's many questions you could ask me that I have not at some point in time been approached about. But I wanted to keep some things basic because as you either are in the healing ministry or if you're seeking healing for yourself or someone else, there's some basic things. And it's interesting how each of the speakers before me today have touched on some of the basic principles. And one in particular is that we have to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so in John chapter 15 and verse 15, it says, Hereforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. I love that. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have now made known unto you. So here's the bottom line. If a question comes up, you ask Holy Spirit, what's the answer? He says, everything, this is Jesus talking, everything he's heard from the Father, he will now reveal to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in essence, it means if there's an answer to be known, Holy Spirit will give us the answer. And so as we begin to seek Jesus and say, okay, Lord, I need inside information concerning this situation. And many times it comes to us in the form of a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy or one of the other gifts of the Spirit. But I would say most of the time we can find the answer simply in the Word of God. Because anything and everything we need to know from God, we can find it in the Word if we're willing to seek and search. Amen? And Jeremiah 
chapter 33 and verse 3. He says, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Now, I think one of the key things we have to do is acknowledge there are things we do not know. Bottom line, that's it. There will always be something there that God does not reveal the answer to us for a given reason because the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. And you're going to have to be willing to accept that. So we say, yes, healing belongs to you. And that included, it's all included in our salvation package. We know that. But faith to receive healing is not meant to be hard. People act like getting healed is more difficult than getting saved. I've never understood that. How could it be more difficult for God to heal a sickness than it is to forgive sin? When he's a righteous God that can't even look upon sin. But he has within him the capacity to forgive sin. So surely that much more so he can heal a sickness or a disease. Can I get an amen on that one? So it's not hard, but it does require some effort, and it requires some persistence, and it requires some diff, uh, desire. And it, it means, again, coming back, being thankful that God's not trying to keep anything from you. He's not trying to hide anything from you. He wants you to be well-informed. He wants you to be confident that his word is true. Look at your neighbor and say, if you don't learn anything else, this weekend... Get this right. The Word of God is true. And you can't argue it down. I don't care how hard you try. My daddy and my Uncle Donald, they used to drive me crazy when I was growing up. All they ever wanted to do was argue religion. Now, if they'd learned to live by it, Instead of argue about it, things might would have gone different for either one of them. Amen. But they did love to argue about the word and what it meant. Neither one of them knew from a frog's behind what it meant. Can I I had pastor's permission to say that. But anyway, we just have to build this confidence in the word of God. And we must remember that Everything must line up with the Word of God. Otherwise, it will have no God result. Joe even addressed that today. We hear things we think we've been taught correctly only to find out we've been taught incorrectly. We've been taught religion, tradition, and doctrine, but we have not been taught the ultimate truth of God's Word. Amen? So... Here are some of the questions that I've been asked over the years. If I keep getting healed, how will I ever die? I say that's ignorance gone to seed. You know, there's lots of ways to die. I mean, if you really want to, you can figure out a way to go ahead and die. Amen? Whether you get healed or you don't get healed, you can still figure out a way to die if that's your, you know, bent course and want to go that. But you remember Moses has already been addressed at some point in time this weekend, was 120 years old when he died. But it says his eyes were not weak, nor was his strength gone. 
See, the world has convinced people they cannot die without suffering and physical disabilities. And that is just an untruth. The truth is God never put an expiration date on his healing power. God does not say it's 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, or 120. God didn't put an expiration date. Have you noticed here lately how many people we're seeing that are celebrating 100-plus year birthdays? Amen? It's because somebody figured out they didn't have to die young. Unlike my aunt who used to say all the time, I want to die while I'm still young enough to make a pretty corpse. And she did. Hello, God will give you the desires of your heart. You better be careful what you wish for. Amen. But as in the Old Testament, and you know, when you've run your course, when you finish your due, when you're satisfied, as we've been told today, you can live until you're satisfied. The Bible is so simple. It's like Abraham, it said, and he slept with his father's. There is a point, like Dr. Hagen. Dr. Hagen had already said, I'm going to do this. On the day that I go home to be with Jesus, I'm going to get up. I want a good breakfast. I want fresh strawberries. I want to eat my full, and then I will go sleep with my fathers. And he was sitting at the table when he slumped over after his good breakfast and his strawberries. Now, his family tried to keep him here for a while, but he was gone. You know, so don't anybody let, you know, let them confuse you about that and ask you that question. Just leave when you're ready to go. Just leave. And so then another question. I thought I prayed in faith for healing, so why haven't I seen the results? Don't you love that when somebody asks you why they haven't done something? And I've gotten where I'm real good at saying, I don't know. I don't know what you did, but I know one thing, it's you and not God. Hello. You know, that's when it calls for self-examining and seeing where did I miss the mark? Where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? Where was my lack of faith? Where was my lack of trust? Where was my confidence in God and in his word? What did I do? And so, you know, but again, sometimes you're doing everything right, but that's when you may have to fight. You can be doing everything right, but you got to remember the enemy hates you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so glory to God, he will fight you for your healing. Just like he will fight you against your salvation and try to convince you you are not born again. That you're not washed in the blood. That your sins are not forgiving. And so when we go into the healing ministry, so many times I teach this to my people. I said, when you decide to go into the healing ministry, somebody should walk up to you with a sign like they did in outer space. You remember the robot in outer space? And he used to come up and he'd go, warning, warning, Will Smith, warning. That's what I feel like I need to tell people sometimes, warning, because people are going to ask you questions and then they're going to get mad if you don't know the answer or they're going to get more mad if you do know the answer and tell them the truth. You know, people generally don't like truth. They just want to be babied and pampered and, set, you know, and just, oh, it's okay, darling. I know, I know God loves you and God's going to take care of you and God's going to make everything all right. And instead, God says, could you just slap them? 
and tell them to get with the program, get out of the fear, the doubt, the unbelief, get over their anger, their bitterness, their resentment. Oh, I done gone to meddling now. I told you I'd wake you up. So there. <laughs> but we have to recall faith for healing is just the first step. Healing is usually progressive, but the first step has to be in faith. But then you have to take a stand. That's what the Bible says. When you stand and then above all, you stand and you stand and you stand. And then what do you do? Stand. Y'all are smart. I like y'all. You're good. You know, you got to fight. You got to contend for your healing. Take possession of it. Take ownership of it and say, no, this is mine. God gave it and the devil can't take it away. Come on now. So now, again, the manifestation may not come instantly, but if you will refuse to give up and give in and quit, I assure you it will come. It will come. Once you've claimed your healing, listen carefully to this one, then never say anything to the contrary of it. Oh, Lord, how many times I've heard this. Well, I thought I got healed, but I guess I didn't. You just undid everything God just did for you. I mean, you just like putting writing on a chalkboard and then you just erased it. Well, I've prayed so many times and I've prayed so many times and nothing happened. Every time you say that, the work God, the good work God had began in you, shh, you just erased it. No, you got to come to a decision. I know that I know that I know that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. There's always a time factor. It may be a little bit of time or a lot of time, but you got to admit there's a time factor. Amen? So just keep the faith and keep going and keep believing and keep standing, keep contending, keep confessing. Never change your confession. And then people say, well, why am I having so much trouble receiving healing? I love this when they come to the healing center. And on their second visit there, they say, well, I don't get it. So-and-so over there, they got their healing. Why haven't I gotten mine? Well, because so-and-so has been coming for six months every day. Standing on the word, believing the word, doing the word, acting on the word. And then one day, poof. Healing manifest, and you're here your second day and want to know why you didn't get it yet. Come on. But, or what about the one that says, I'm the one that's been coming for six months and I haven't gotten anything. But, you know, Susie Joe over here, she came in, and on the second day she got hers because she came in faith believing. She let nothing deter her. She let nothing hold her back. But if you're having trouble receiving healing, can I, Joe, wave at me when my time's up, and I'll just hush. Um, let me give you just a few things to look at if your healing seems to be hindered, okay? First of all, check your love walk. Are you walking in love? Because faith works by love. And so if you're out of alignment, even a little bitty bit in your love walk, your faith won't work as well. You might get some results, but you won't get the ultimate results. Amen? 1 Corinthians 13 says, and be sure you are showing patience. I failed that test a long time ago. Gene yells at me all the time, Velda, could you just be patient? Could you just be patient? I said, I'm being patient because I'm not smacking you for telling me to be patient. I don't like to be patient. I want what I want, when I want it, where I want it, the way I want it. You got that? <laughs> None of y'all have ever been that way, have you? 
Not a one of you. No, you're all patient and long-suffering, right? You lie, you fry. But faith works by love. And if you're out of alignment, it won't work as well. So be sure you're showing patience, kindness, selflessness to those around you. Check your heart and be sure you're going to love this one. You haven't been gossiping or judging others. Can I get one uh-oh on that? Just one? <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. I like Pastor. He over here, he helps me. He encourages me. How about just plain old unforgiveness? But you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. Well, did, when did that happen, honey, last week? Oh, no. 33 years ago on the fourth day of June at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> We got a lady that calls the healing center every day crying and bawling and squalling. I just can't get my healing. And I know, did you know I'm divorced? Did you know my husband left me for another woman? When did he go? 35 years ago. I'm like, dear God, get over it and be glad he's gone. My answer's always been if she could take you, she deserved you. Didn't like that one. Did you hear what I said? If she can take you, she deserved you. I don't want you anymore. Right, Jean? Right. <laughs> that woman's never going to get it till she gets over it and walks in forgiveness and lets them go. I think Pastor Bob addressed that some last night. You had to let your first wife go, didn't you? You had to walk in forgiveness. Your whole purpose and destiny could have been destroyed. If you had made a choice to live in bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, your healing can be destroyed by those same identical factors. Amen? And then there's fear and doubt. Fear and doubt. You can just go back to Mark 11, the scriptures that Dr. Hagen wrote. He said, believe and you shall receive. Over and over and over again, we see in the scriptures, do not fear. Do not be anxious. Do not be worried. What does that boil down to? Trust in God. Trust God. Trust the word. Stay. Just stay in agreement with the word of God and believe it shall come to pass. And then I get this and well, I prayed for someone to receive healing, but the manifestation, manifestation did not come. Why? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Every, I, I hate to confess it. I do not know everything. Y'all don't act as shocked as I thought you would be. <laughs> but, you know, the promises simply come by faith, and God is still God. He's the same God that said, and the just shall live by faith. And so if they didn't get it, somewhere there was a missing element of faith somehow. And I'm going to tell you now, and it hurts, and it hurts so bad. When you stand with someone, and you pray with someone, and you believe, quote, unquote, with someone, and for someone, and then they have the audacity to die, and leave you with the wounds, and the hurts, and the questions, and I don't get it. I thought we did everything right but I'm going to remind you again the secret things belong to the Lord 
And I've lived through it so many times when people are saying, I believe I will live and not die. I addressed it last night only to find out they were making plans to die. They were planning their funeral. They were inscribing Bibles to leave for grandchildren that hadn't even been born yet. And yet, I remember my friend, my precious, precious friend that I walked through cancer with for months and months. And I kept saying to her, Brenda, do not lie to me. Tell me what you believe. I believe I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And she died. I literally crawled in that woman's hospital bed. And I jerked her up, her puny, scrawny, little cancer-riddled body. I snatched her up by her hospital gown. And I said, do not lie to me. Tell me what you really believe. And that was her answer. And I said, do you understand that if you die, you're going to leave your family wounded and hurt and doubting God's faithfulness? Just tell us the truth. She died. Her family was bitter. Her family was resentful. Her family blamed me. And yet she was the one we found out had written out all of her funeral arrangements. She had bought all these Bibles and scribed them to grandchildren, future grandchildren. She wanted to go home to be with Jesus, but she didn't want to tell us because she didn't want us to be disappointed in her. Listen. If you're in the healing ministry, I'm going to tell, if I don't teach you anything else, I'm going to teach you this right now. You've got to learn to maintain some professional distance. It's like when I was in nursing and I loved my patients. Well, some of them. There was this one guy that got a heart transplant. Waste of a good heart. I've never seen anybody as stupid as that man. And I mean it. I'm not joking. And in fact, one day he, kept, he called me Miss Edna. He couldn't even get my name right. Edna from Velda? I don't get it. But he kept saying, Miss Edna, Miss Edna, you, you think since I got that wrong heart, you think I'm going to die? And one day I just told him, I said, no, Major, you're not going to die. You're too stupid to die. <laughs> All right, I wasn't as saved <laughs> as I am now, okay? But I did. I was so tired of him and, and his dumb questions. And then one day he came up. He showed up at the hospital in a gold lame suit. And he said, Miss Edna, Miss Edna, Hollywood going to make a movie about me. I said, okay. He said, Miss Edna, will, will you pay the part of my sister in that movie? I said, there ain't enough money on the face of the earth for me to play your sister in a movie. He said, that, okay, Miss Edna, I'm going to get Dolly Parton. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, but just remember, you're going to run into people you can't help sometimes. Come on now. And you just can't let it hurt your faith or, or damage your faith. You know, I've cried so many tears, like I said, with patients that I loved, and then they did die. Major was not one of them. The last I heard, his heart was still ticking like a Timex watch. Lord, help us all. But nonetheless, the, you know, but in the healing ministry, you can get very close to people and you can draw them to your heart. And I can remember crying and weeping and saying, God, I don't understand.
We did everything we knew how to do. We confessed every prayer. We used up all the anointing oil we could find. I just don't understand. And you know what his answer to me has generally come back? That's okay, honey. I understand. God is God. And you need to remember that. You are not the healer. You're just a vessel of service unto the healer. Amen. Is my time gone? I got five more minutes. Woo, I could do a lot in five minutes. But any rate, when you pray for these, remember this, out of that same thing, when you pray for them to receive their healing and the manifestation doesn't come quickly, listen to Romans 6. I won't, I'm going to read the B part of verse 4. It says, walk in newness of life. Now, when you get born again, you're expected to change your ways, aren't you? Your behaviors, your actions, your words. Well, what would be the difference then when you receive your healing by faith? Should there not be a change in your behaviors, your actions? Come on, even in your words. I'll sum it up this way. Heal, people act, heal. We tell them this, do something you couldn't do. Last week, I think we're supposed to talk about testimonies later, but I want to talk about this one now. I shared with y'all last night about the little girl that got her healing, such innocent faith, and got her healing. But about two weeks ago, um, they brought a woman to the healing center, and someone literally escorted her in. She could barely walk. I mean, she couldn't move. She was in horrible pain. We didn't even get beyond the front door of the healing center. And I just felt the Spirit of God rise up in me, and I just began to minister to her. You know, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. God has already provided your healing from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. The power of God is working mightily in you right now, putting everything in proper position and proper alignment. Because she had started out telling me what a bad back she had and her legs, and, and she had so much pain she couldn't walk. And they had told her she had to walk, but she couldn't walk because of the pain. And she couldn't move her back, and she couldn't do this. And, she, and finally, I just like, I don't need to hear the canes. I'm going to look for the cans. I used to have a button when I was in college. My little college group, we wore a button that says, I can. I can. Maybe we need to get some of those printed up and hand out to people. But anyway, as we were ministering to Cherry, that's her name, and, and the power of God swept over and she hit the floor. And she's just laying there and we're just looking at her. And all of a sudden she rose up. She jumped up. She started to yell and scream. And she said, oh my God, God has touched me. God has touched me. And with that she began to walk when she couldn't walk. Then she began to run. And then she began to bend down and touch her toes. And then she began to twist. And the last I saw her, she was jumping up and down, shouting and praising God and running out the door. That's all it takes is some genuine faith. God is so good. And then, of course, do my words really affect my healing? Yes. Yes. I don't need to say anything more about that. But let me put it in a little different perspective. We know we're supposed to hold fast to our profession of faith, right? But going back to Dr. Hagen, what would we do without Kenneth E. Hagen? Other than my dear friend, Smith Wigglesworth, that I carry his picture everywhere I go. <laughs> but 
Dr. Hagen said he was dealing with a woman one time and she kept saying, I just can't get my healing. I keep praying, I keep praying, I keep praying, I keep praying, but I don't get healed. And he said, let me tell you something. He says, it's like a balance scale. You know what I'm talking about with a balance scale? You got a little scale on this side and a little scale on this side and they can tilt either way. He said, when your praises begin to balance with your prayers, you will receive your healing. Ask sometimes, how much time do you spend praising and thanking God that you are healed instead of begging him to heal you when he's already done it? Amen? Amen. Glory to God. I did it. I didn't go over time, did I? Nope. All right. <laughs> Thank y'all. Oh, she said, I have more time. All right, good. Three, the, three, minutes. three minutes. She said 31. Who heard her say 31? <laughs> no, but I, I have something I did want to say, and I couldn't figure out where it would fit in. Um, I'm going to say one word. And when I say the one word, instantly I want you to shout out one word of what comes to your mind, the vision you get. Everybody close your eyes. And I'm going to say this one word, and then I want you to, I don't want no 15-minute sermon, one word answers. So here we go. Jesus. Anybody else? I got to hear you. Love. What? Glory. The word. Lord. Good. Power. Right. Wonderful, wonderful. You're all wrong. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You're all right. But the Lord asked me that question the other day, and I thought it was something to ponder. He said, when you hear my name, what's the picture that comes to mind? Do you see me as the babe in the manger? Am I still sweet baby Jesus to you? Do you see me as a young boy playing in the village and singing hymns? Do you see me growing up in my dad's carpentry shop and then becoming a carpenter? Do you see me as the itinerant preacher? Do you see me as the rabbi in the synagogue? What do you see me as? Do you see me as the crucified Lord? And I'm thinking, God, you're all of those things. He said, yes, I am all of those things, but for now, I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He said, remember who I am. So I think that's a good word to end on. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.